Hi there, welcome along to another Sporting Lives with Jonathan Doidge, where we delve a little bit deeper into the lives of uh, a well-known sports person. And I'm delighted to say that we've got one of the hottest properties in the world of sport at this very moment in the studio today. It is Yorkshire and England's Harry Brook, world champion, of course, in T20 cricket. Uh, man of the series in the recent test match series between Pakistan and England out there in Pakistan and everything seemingly going swimmingly for him. So a great time to talk to him. Welcome along and thanks for your time, Harry Brook. Thank you very much. Pleasure to be here. So I mean, why don't we start with that before we start to go back and just have a look at what made you the player you are today. Man of the series in Pakistan in what were just your second, third and fourth test matches of your career. Three centuries, I think you're only the fifth person who's managed to get three tons in his first six test innings in the history, 140 odd years of test cricket. Top of the world for you at the moment. <laughs> yeah, it's been a bit of a stellar year. I don't know if I'm ever gonna be able to top it, to be honest, but um, there's not many words I can I can say about it. It's been such a, the last couple of months as well has been like a dream come true, um, obviously to come. The main thing is to come home with a, a medal and, and be a world champion. So uh, I haven't really got much to say otherwise, other than I'm very proud and, and happy to be to be in this situation at the minute. There was plenty of talk in that um, Pakistan series and particularly in that first test match about it being like a road. There were plenty of centuries scored in the match, um, but you still have to go out there and do the business. And yeah, you were on the cusp of getting centuries in both innings in that, that first game. What sort of adaptations did you have to make to your game not only going up to that level but also playing in a place where you're relatively unfamiliar i know you've had some psl experience previously uh well i've actually said a few times i've been lucky to to start my test career there having played there knowing quite a lot of the bowlers um i think i, I the only people i hadn't faced were the spinners so um, I'd faced all the seamers um, and then I was used to the pitches because we just had the T20 series there as well so I played I think I've played uh, over 20 games there this year nearly 30 so I knew the pitches obviously they're slightly different in test cricket when you're playing for a longer period of time and they break up and whatnot but the pitches is very similar to the T20 cricket know the bowlers and and yeah I was uh, lucky enough and fortunate to have, have started my test career there having had experience there and and know the bowlers. Um, and not only that, but you, you're now playing as part of a, of a regime in England cricket. You know, the nickname Baz Ball has come out of it since Brendan McCullum uh, took over and, and uh, Ben Stokes as, as skipper. Is this, is it all just fitted together perfectly for you in terms of the way you want to play your cricket? Yeah, well, I think I probably fit the script fairly well. Just the way I play positive cricket, trying to always put the, the ball under pressure, really. And, uh, you feel like you can do anything in this side. You you feel like you've got so much confidence going out, and um, that bit me that bit me in the backside a little bit in in the second test first innings when I hit one straight up like felt invincible. Um, but that's what they're doing. They're, they're making us feel like we can do anything when we go out there. And uh, I think if you're gonna the way the way they want to play, I think the leadership group have to lead from the front, and, and Stokes is doing that absolutely perfectly. Like that was the first test he ran down first ball of one of the days and hit it for six so um, I think the way that they're going about it and uh, bringing everybody together um, is has been phenomenal and I've said it a few times you, you can only do something like this if you've got everybody buying into it. And how much of an influence do you think that white ball cricket is now having on red ball cricket? We'll come to your own IPL story uh, a little bit later on but you've clearly obviously been a very successful white ball player yourself you know is that now starting to influence the red ball game? Um, to a, a large extent, uh, I think so a little bit. Yeah, you you look at some of the shots like Rooty's been playing in, in Test cricket, reverse scooping it over the slips and stuff. Um, you, you don't tend to play that in red ball. Well, not until last year. So I think you've got to have a few little different skills. But like I said, um, everybody's got to buy into it. And and the way that England are playing at the minute um, has been phenomenal. And it only shows in the stats. And and stats don't lie. Is it the sort of style that would be suitable for, for example, a couple of tests in different conditions in New Zealand for five or six tests this uh, summer against Ireland and of course in an Ashes series? Yeah, well, we'll have to see when when we come along to it. But obviously I think um, we're, we're not being reckless. Uh, we've been very positive, obviously, to put, trying to put the balls under pressure, but we're not being reckless. We're not 
bar a few shots, we're not being idiots. Like we're not trying to just slog it all the time. Um, trying to soak up pressure in in the pressure situations as well. If the balls are bowling well, we we recognise that and we we try and adapt. So um, it's not just stupid cricket. It's there's method behind the madness as well. So we've spoken to or I've spoken to Martin Spate uh, and done commentaries with him, and he's told us a bit more about how he sees you from a coach's perspective. Uh, and he talks about the amount of the hard work that you you put into your game. Um, does it sort of great with you a little bit when you know people watch you from the side and just think you're a, you're natural and you just have to walk out there and uh, with a bat in your hand and the runs are going to come? Uh, not really, to be honest. I don't really have. I don't really look at any comments or media, to be honest. Uh, I learned that from going out in the big bash when I did shocking. <laughs> Obviously, I, I was getting a little bit of abuse on social media. People are pretty uh, ruthless on there. Um, probably won't say it to your face. So, um, yeah, I just try to stay away from media. And, uh, I don't have Twitter. In fact, I've just set it back up. So, but I don't like to use it much. I, um, and yeah, I just stay away from it. Don't really look at the media. And um, but no, I know how hard I work. My family knows how hard I work. I think my teammates know how hard I work as well. So um, as long as all them people know, then it doesn't really matter what anybody else thinks. And there must have been plenty of hard work uh, over the years. You were born in Yorkshire. You were brought up in Burley and Wharfdale. You went to Ilkley Grammar School to start things off. And then you got the scholarship to go to Sedbra. I mean, just talk us through those, those formative years. How did you first get involved in, in cricket? Well, my grandma's garden backs onto the cricket field. There's no fence, as you probably well know. Um, and yeah, I was out there after every day uh, after school. I'd be down there playing out there with my mates, and uh, and then obviously the, the older I get, the the more serious I took it. My granddad would be throwing at me almost every day with along with my dad, and um, then I, I got the scholarship to Sedbo when I was about thirteen. Uh, joined there. Uh, and then I just kicked on from there really, training in the mornings at half past six for a couple of hours. Um, yeah, and then going to school, which I didn't do too well in, but I was mainly there for cricket and uh, and thankfully it paid off slightly. So, um, but then obviously through, through the academy ranks into second team and then uh, onto the first team stage. So yeah, it kind of went fairly smoothly. And you mentioned your grandma's, um, you know, no offence and been at the side of the ground at Burley and Wharfdale, an Airdale and Wharfdale League Club. Uh, fairly sizeable flat ground, which is a, a good deck to learn your cricket on as well, because uh, it doesn't tend to get much above the knee roll, does it? Similar to Pakistan, actually, not much bounce. Um, no, it's getting better, the wicket's getting better, I think, ever since uh, Phil Sant is the groundsman there now, so he's uh, made the pitches a little bit better, a bit more carry, but no, yeah, they used to be fairly slow and low, but they leave a little bit of grass on it and it flies through. And again, Santi once or twice. Um, and you mentioned your grandma. I mean, what talk to us about that relationship because you've been cited already. You've you've said on the record a few times in this past year in particular when things have been going well, you've mentioned her. Uh, tell us more about about why that relationship's so special. Well, I, I actually, because the cricket field is there, I, I probably lived with her most of the time throughout my my life and uh, until I moved, until I went to Sedba. Um, yeah, I was always there and I'd still take my laundry around sometimes for her to wash. She loves hanging <laughs> it up, especially when there's people there. She puts, she always hangs it up when there's people coming around. Um, but no, yeah, because the cricket field's there, my, my granddad used to throw up me every day. Uh, grandma always used to cook and have some food in there for us after after our session. And then, you know, just, uh, I enjoyed being around there, just the nice views and stuff out the windows. So. And also, is that somewhere you can kind of go, maybe when things are not have not gone that well in certain parts of your, you know your career so far, and and just sit down, have a cuppa if you like, and, and forget it, and you know you're going to get that that homely support. Yeah, absolutely. She's she's uh she's not too nice to me sometimes. She's, <laughs> no, she's a very nice woman, but like if I if I don't get any runs, she'll let me know that I, what I've done wrong and. Um, which is decent, but obviously when you're in a, when you've just been out, you, you don't really want to get a text saying that was crap. So <laughs> um, no, she's she's good. Obviously, uh, she supports me 100%. Like everybody else, my dad, my mum, um, my girlfriend Lucy, they they're all 100% behind me and, and backing me the whole way. So it's nice to when I get a little break to come back and and spend some time with them. And another little bit of family stuff, really, because wherever you look. 
um, about your career, your profile, it says Harry Cherrington Brook. Now, that kind of reminds me of that Only Fools and Horses scene where um, Rodney and Cassandra get married and it's and the vicar announces Rodney Charlton Trotter and everybody sort of giggles behind the hands, giggles so behind me. the hands. So tell us more about Cherrington because it's, it's an unusual middle name. It's my mum's maiden name. I don't really know what the thought process behind it. It's not double-barreled. I don't think they wanted a double-barreled name, but they wanted both names, so uh, they gave me Cherrington as a middle name. Okay, that's one that I seem to get asked on air quite a bit when I'm talking about you. Um, Sedba School, then, you know, this is clearly a very different place to go into Ilkley Grammar School, which is a good school in, in its own right. When you get there, you know, what do you find that you're, you're starting to do that you've not previously been able to do in, in, in a cricketing sense? You know, what advances your game when you're up there? I think it sets you up for every everything, really. Um, I obviously went there as a little fat lad uh, to lose some weight, try and get fitter. Uh, there's lots of fells around there, hills and and whatnot. So I'd have to, I'd, well, it's on you, off your own back really. You'd, you'd choose to go and do it, um, but then you get forced into other things. Like you had to had to do it. So um, I think it's a re really good place for athletes to go. Um, you've got great facilities there. There's a great gym. Obviously the hills which you can run on, um, swimming pools, all sorts. So um, for me, going there having known that I had to lose some weight and try and get more athletic, uh, still probably not quite That's right. where I want to be. But Looking well. Um, yeah, it's, it was a perfect place. And then obviously I had Spatey on the other hand who was, who was keen to get up every morning at six o'clock to work with me. And, and that was ideal um, because I always wanted to bat. Um, it was just the fitness side which I had to kind of get forced into. But So you were batting, if you like, before school hours began? Yeah, half past six till 20 past eight. So. I'm actually off up to see him tomorrow for a, for a hit, so I'll be there, well, not at 20 past six, but I'll be there at nine o'clock having a hit with him after he's just done his half past six session. I'm sure you'd probably work with a few coaches who'd got uh, maybe professional experience before that here and there, but was, was he the first, um, if you like, you know, former pro who you'd worked with in a concerted way? Uh, yeah, definitely. I think so, yeah, definitely. Obviously, I was on the academy at Yorkshire who uh, the coaches were, weren't former pros, but they worked with a lot of players, obviously some unbelievable players like Ruti, Johnny, uh, Rash, for example. Um, uh, but a former player, Spate, is probably the first one, and, and I still use him, I speak to him uh, every two or three weeks. So um, he's he's more of a mentor to me and a friend now. So um, yeah, it's, it's going to be good to go up and see him tomorrow. Yeah, we were exchanging a few messages um, about you while you were out there taking on the world. And what's what's so good about him? He, he, com compared to every other coach, I think he just knows my game the best. Because um, I've been working with him for so long now, he's 10 years nearly, or just over 10 years. So um, he, he knows my game, he knows what I want to do. He, he He's everything I've done. I've sent videos to him all the time. He knows everything. And if I'm slightly out of position where I should be, or where I want to be, then he'll let me know and tell me to to sort this out. Um, yeah, and he, he spots the finer details, which I'm I'm really interested in in technique. He's done a great job with you. I think yeah, there's no doubt about that. But obviously, there's all the hard work you've put in yourself. You make your debut for Yorkshire against Pakistan A when you're 17, yeah. uh, something like that. You make your championship debut the following season against Middlesex. Maybe not one that we're going to talk about in terms of how many runs you scored. Um, um, and then you know you, you sort of like players, young players are in and out. You you're trying to get in and score that first innings, that first notable innings where somebody might be going, yeah, we'll give you an extended run here. But it looked on paper, at least when you go back through those early scores, like it it was pretty difficult for you. The first game I recall commentating on you was at Trent Bridge, first game of 2019, and you opened the batting. Uh, in one of the innings there and you get about 30 in in fairly even time and then uh, I think flick one to square leg or something like that but you you hit about six boundaries during this 30 and I'm sitting at the side thinking this guy's got a lot of time wasn't quite coming out in the scores that you were making at the top of the order and then you end up getting dropped down before things start to hit is that really what you needed? Um, I think Consistency, really. Like, like you said, I was in and out, um, batting in different positions. I think as soon as you get, as soon as you know, and I think England are doing this perfectly. Like, 
um, as soon as you know that you're going to be in that position for a set amount of time, you can ha you can kind of relax and you you know you've got a certain amount of games you, you you've got to perform. Um, whereas when you when you don't know what's around the corner, if you if you get twenty or thirty, then you might be dropped. Um, I think I struggled with that quite a bit at the start of my career. Um, like you say there, I, got, I actually got twenty eight off twenty four ball and got LBW to broad. Oh, was it broad? Right, okay. <laughs> yeah. um, well, um, well done. You so you know you can remember better than I. But uh, um, I but, seem to remember just the wristy shots that is, is what sticks out in the mind and, and just the amount of time. Yeah, yeah, I remember you. Yeah. And you'd you'd already scored a ton, hadn't you, the year before in that bizarre win against Essex where you'd been fifty all out with an absolutely stellar side on paper yeah. in the first innings and then you come and get a ton in the second innings to to win the match. That what was that like, first 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 class hundred? Yeah, unbelievable. Uh, that's another example. I got dropped I got dropped down to three that I was opening the first innings got dropped down to three. Um yeah I was probably it's probably one of the best wins I've been involved in, in well, probably the best win I've been involved in with the Yorkshire and um, obviously to get my first 100 in that game and uh, and probably be match-defining innings and, and uh, win the game from there was uh, unbelievable and uh, I can still remember it very fondly. So 18, you show us you can get 100. 2019, I remember the early season 100 against Leicestershire at Headingley um, yeah. in a one-dayer where the your out shot felt like you could have put that one anywhere in Leeds and you kind of had so many shots in your mind probably it's gone straight up in the air hasn't it yeah. uh, and then a couple of tons as well um, in championship cricket so again you're kind of saying to your coach Andrew Gale at the time you know I can do this I can do this pal but the scores in between are still you know very much up and down yeah uh, I think that's what you're going to get with young players isn't it you're not always going to be so consistent and the longer they play and the more chances they get, that's that's when they do learn how to be consistent and learn how to score runs. Who's the player around uh, and about that time, maybe who you'd who you'd sit and talk to when things are not going well, who you felt like was going to actually help you? There's a lot of talk in professional sport. I mean, you know, players are protective; they want to keep their own place in the side, and so sometimes you know, you, you might not find that your teammates are the most forthcoming with assistance and information to try and help you. But who who did help you through those sort of uh, obviously I had Spatey but I had, uh, didn't really have time to go up and see him as much so I'd be sending him videos um, but he was a key part uh, Gary Balance I used to speak to a lot um, I'm still very good mates with him um, yeah and I kind of tried to take some of his game and put it into my game as soon as I started triggering because I wasn't I was standing still then um, and I just thought I used to watch him all the time and it never looked like he was going to get out He's he's he was in my opinion, probably the best player in, in the country who wasn't playing for England um, at the time. Uh, yeah, so I used to speak to him a bit, a bit rooty when he was around. Um, just trying to get anything from any of the, the, the big players who have played and been at international cricket, at uh, the international level. So anybody who had been around really and uh, try and take little snippets from what they do and put it into my game. Because I remember travelling with Yorkshire down in a match at Taunton where I think you lost. It was the match where Keshav Maharaj was leaving and everybody met for a, a drink in the bar. And you were having a chat, quite a long chat with Gary Balance that night. And I know, again, things had been a little bit like that for you. Was that the sort of chat that you're talking about then? Maybe you were a bit confused as to what was going on and you were looking for a bit of reassurance from a player you totally respect? Yeah, I can't remember that conversation, but... We used to have loads of conversations. I used to spend quite a lot of time with Gaz on and off the field. So, um, and he's, you look like I said before, stats don't lie, and his stats are probably some of the best you'll see in county cricket ever. So, um, just speaking to him about how to score runs, uh, to convert them, like we were talking about them twenties and thirties into sixties, seventies, and then try and kick on there to get big hundreds. Um, and he's one of the best around to have done that. So. Um, just uh, picking his brains really and, and trying to learn how he scored runs. Don't worry, we are going to come back to the good times. But I'm just trying to get into your psyche when things have not gone, you know, quite as smoothly at times as, as you might have wanted to early on in, in your career. Uh, going back to the COVID year, 2020, again, I remember following you around uh, the county circuit that in that shortened season. And right at the very end, there was a, it felt like there was a moment in a match against Derbyshire, T20 game at Headingley, yep. where you get 50 um, 
thereabouts. And I think Joe batted with you for a long time, Joe Root, and got the same sort of score. Uh, and it just felt like there was something going on between the two of you out there. You win the match. And unfortunately for you, it's the end of the season. You can't go back out in great form next time and do it again. But does that stick out as a as a match in your mind that was maybe something that started to take you up to the next level? Yeah, absolutely. And I remember it very well. I've said it a few times that that was, uh, that was a bit of a turning point for me in, in T20 cricket. Um, I used to I used to try and power the bowlers and just hit, try and hit it wherever I wanted and, and premeditate a lot of things. And I can remember Rooty coming down to me every over and being like, just watch the ball, uh, play it on instinct. Um, and yeah, and, and ended up chasing a, do a total uh, a decent, about 165, I think. But we'd had a lot of struggles in the past chasing with Yorkshire. And um, I can always remember Gailey saying, we, we've been shocking at chasing the last few years. And, and that was one of the games which we, we turned the tide a little bit. And um, we're probably not where, where we want to be at the minute chasing wise, but uh, we're definitely getting better. And so we move on to 21 and again things are just starting to lift for you without ramming home the sort of hundreds that you you seem to be doing at the moment but you you know you're turning these 18s and 20s these little starts into 50s and and that sort of thing um and things also look up in t20 cricket and i want to come back to that again because there was one particular knock that stands out great stand between you and jordan thompson against worcestershire at headingley um, I think it was the second, still still is the second highest sixth wicket partnership in, in the history of any T20 competition in the world. And you... Uh, but yeah, that was, a, it was an interesting game because we were, we were, I think we were four down for about, after 10 overs for about 50 runs or something, something yeah. stupid. And then Tomo comes in, plays an absolute blinder, probably one of the best innings he's ever had. Um, and then I was just trying to, I was just trying to get him on strike for the start. And then obviously I started clicking, and uh, towards the end we were just, like you say, trying to hit it wherever we wanted. And um, the boundaries probably didn't feel big enough at that time. Yeah, 83 off 54 actually. So we were both wrong first time. Uh, Tomo got 66 off 28. Yeah, um, you kept your scores going, and then you, you rightly say 91 off 50 against Lanks in that amazing game where Lockie Ferguson wraps it up yeah. with a hat trick. Yeah, it was, it was a good game. Uh, I've enjoyed playing in the Rosage games the last couple of years. Um, everybody always gets a little bit nervous for them games and uh, there was always a big crowd, a good crowd always comes to the Rosies matches. Everybody wants to watch them games and um, I like I like playing in front of big crowds and, and trying to show everybody what I can do. And you go on to make a couple more tons that season in the Championship against North Ants uh, and against uh, Somerset at Scarborough. Um, when nobody else could barely make it to the half century. Again, I think Jordan Thompson was the only other player in that match to get to, to 50. So those of us who are watching you regularly, we're thinking, you know, this this guy, he definitely got the capabilities of playing at the highest level. We're kind of willing you on to to be able to string those scores together. And so 21 is a, is a, is a year where Harry Brook is on the rise, but then 2022, goodness me. I can reel off these scores now because I've got them in front of me. But what an amazing start in that first six championship games. 101 and 56 not out against Gloucestershire. 84 and 77 Northants. 194 Kent at Headingley. 123 Essex. A failure against Lancashire. Just the 41 and then 82 not out. But that 41 was as entertaining as any of those knocks. It was just off the scale that in 40, the short time you're out the there. That's probably best stuff, it? Yeah. 41. And then 82 against Warwickshire and... England, uh, you've already made your debut by this point in T20s for England, but your red ball runs are off the scale. You've always said to me and anybody who's asked you, test cricket was the thing you wanted to do. You must have been walking off the field after that Warwickshire game at Headingley when you've got 82 to go with all the other runs you'd scored before and thought, don't pick me now, Baz, and don't pick me now, Stokesy, after that. Uh... To be honest, I wasn't even thinking about it. I think I learned a lot from that 2019 season when I opened the batting and, and didn't do very well for the first four or five games. My 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 whole mind was on trying to play for England in 2019. Completely forgot about Yorkshire. I wasn't trying to score runs for Yorkshire. I was just trying to play for England thinking if I get a few runs here, then I might play for England. But I completely forgot about what I had to do to score them runs for Yorkshire. 
Uh, and then for the next three years, I was just trying to completely focus on scoring runs for Yorkshire and uh, didn't even think about England. I, al I almost got to a stage where I was like, I don't even, I was saying to myself, I don't want to play for England just to try and get through through the period of, of uh, scoring runs for Yorkshire and, and converting into big scores. Uh, yeah, so uh, yeah, that was a big learning curve for me in my short career so far. So does that imply that in 2019 you were kind of listening to the publicity that was going on? Because we all thought you were a, a quality player in the making, but you know we can sit there and say that ourselves. You've got to walk out to the middle and score the runs. Was, was that noise getting to you a bit, maybe? Uh, well... I, I kind of put my hand up to open. Uh, Gailey, well, Gailey wanted me to open as well, and I was like, yeah, I definitely want to do it. But because there was so much uncertainty around England's opening batter at the time, I'm obviously only 20 years old. Like, the reality of me actually getting picked for England is very slim. Um, but I was like, if I score a few hundreds here in the first few games, then I might, might get a chance of test cricket. Um, but like I said, it's completely... like threw me off I didn't stay in the moment wasn't thinking about the next game I was just thinking about if I could play for England and and that's what I've worked on a lot in the last few years just trying to stay in the moment concentrate on the next game and prepare for the next game um, even if there's a five even with the ashes around the corner I'm, I'm still thinking about my first ODI uh, in South Africa selected um, it was a stellar 2022 season, though, domestically. I've got the stats here. You played in eight championship games because, of course, you were carrying the drinks for quite a while during the summer, which rankled a little bit with some of the home spectators at uh, Yorkshire. 12 innings, 967 championship runs at 107.44. Not many people complete a season in Champo cricket with a three-figure average. And then uh, in the T20 Blast, um, 11 knocks. Uh, and you were out 10 times, so 434 runs at 43.4. You'll probably tell me what your strike rate was because that's not down on here, but it's just an amazing season. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I can actually remember walking around on pre-season we went to Dubai. I can remember walking around doing a lap with Cody and I'd just finished batting in Dubai against Gloucestershire in a warm-up game and Cody was like, you're going to smash it this year, you're going to score so many runs. And obviously, I was like, yeah, hopefully I'll do whatever, get as many runs as I possibly can. Um, but we were actually speaking about it the other day, and um, yeah, it was. Uh, it's been a good season, but I haven't, I haven't really got anything else to say. It's been good. Well, yeah, I mean, the, the, obviously, the you've you've set the bar very high, not only with that, but then with what we're going to talk about now, which is, you know, you then you get your test debut against South Africa. I mean. Uh, before we talk about the rest of the stuff that's followed there, just talk to us about how you found out in the first place and, and what it was like. Did that feel different that day when you first walk out with an England cap on? How did I find out actually? Well, obviously Johnny got injured. Um, and I think I got a phone call from, it was either Keezy or uh, Brendan McCullum and, and they were like, uh, you might be playing in the next test. Johnny's, Johnny's hurt himself. So I was like, oh, they've said this every game. <laughs> I'm probably not going to end up playing. And then obviously it came out that Johnny was seriously injured um, and that I was definitely going to be playing. But obviously I, I've, I've tried to prepare. Every test match I was around carrying drinks, I was tried to prepare that I was going to play anyway. So I just went about it like I would do usually. Um, and obviously I got the chance. I didn't do as well as I'd liked, but um, it, was, it was carnage that week because the Queen died as well. So... We, the first day got rained off, the Queen died, so we missed the second day. Um, and I can just remember being in the huddle and Stokes, he was like, we've got three days here, lads, there's 100% going to be a result. And then we won within two days, so um, it was a phenomenal test match. Um, yeah, and uh, it was really nice to have family and friends down there as well when the, when I received my cap. And do you get, I mean, you're a level-headed sort of a guy, I think that's well worth saying that. Um, but. Do people like you who, who are achieving so much still get goosebump moments when you stick that cap on for the first time when you walk down those those steps? I think one of the most goosebump feelings has been actually walking out to do the national anthem because the Queen had died. We walked out and I've never I've never felt anything so silent or heard anything so silent in my life. We were walking out there and it was you could hear a pin drop. 
and then obviously as soon as we started the national anthem uh, the new one god save the king i got the word wrong probably <laughs> um yeah it was uh it, it erupted and it was loud but that walk down was i could we were actually speaking about that a couple of weeks ago me and stokes here, and it was it, it was unbelievable how how quiet it was um but no i'd i'd played that lions game against south africa mm-hmm. before and uh i'd faced a few of the bowlers so it's always nice having a little bit of insight and and having faced them before um before you go out there because you kind of know what's going to come and obviously I'd faced Marco Janssen a couple of weeks before and I kind of knew what was happening I knew that he was going to try and swing it back and um, obviously a big lad so um, if I was facing someone else who I hadn't faced before then I might have been a little bit more nervous but I was fairly chilled You were I mean you looked uh, ridiculously chilled watching the the television pictures and it was just like you're probably playing a game for Berlin Wofdale. I actually get more nervous for Berlin than I do, <laughs> than I do for England. Well, well, well that's a, there, there's a case in point, isn't there? Because um, Harry Brook, man of the series against Pakistan and T20 international world champion, uh, suddenly pops up in the middle of the Adel Wofdale League last season <laughs> against uh, arch local rivals Otley. Can you tell us a bit more <laughs> about that? Uh, I probably wasn't meant to play, but my, I got down there because I'm avid watcher of watching Burley, especially when they're at home. So my uncle's captain. Uh, I got down to the end of the garden at my grandma's, and my cricket bag was in the car, um, and he was like, we've got nobody else, you're gonna have to play. <laughs> uh, so I had a little trundle, I was, I was batting seven that game, and, and uh, had a little bit of a ball, so uh, unfortunately we lost, but uh, oh. no, it was good. It was good to play with my uncles again and, um, and be out there. And how many did he get? About twenty, it was shocking innings. And who, who claimed the prize scalp? Uh, Damon Reeve. Oh, did he? Oh, yeah. Reeve, well done, Reeve. If you're uh, watching, me out. Um, you are, uh, by the way, watching um, Sporting Lives with Jonathan Doidge with Harry Brook, my special guest today, and uh, great to have him in the studio to chew the fat over what's particularly been a brilliant 2022 for him. So, um, Brookie, if we can get you back to 22, mentioned we touched on that debut. He scored what ten against the Windies in Bridgetown. Uh, January of 2022 and then that test debut against South Africa which you had to wait right through until September 4 and there's there are hopes that um, having done as well as you've done in T20 cricket in the last couple of years um, you mentioned things didn't go great in the big bash but you played some PSL as well and with a test series against Pakistan looming and a World Cup coming up as well a real chance for you to to try, if you're given the opportunity, to get into that T20 squad, to get into that T20 squad. Because it wasn't, by any stretch of the imagination, certain, unless you'd been told something that we all didn't know. Uh, I kind of knew that I was going to be batting five, not in the World Cup, but I knew I was going to be batting five most games in in Pakistan. Um, But having success in Pakistan before, I was like, just go out and enjoy it, try try and, and do what I've done having faced all the bowlers before like i said um and yeah it just i just played really well and um did all the things that i i want to do the way i want to play and um and that's what i've done so far um and then the world cup itself although the individual scores might not have been as big as some that you've recorded you were um in the final against pakistan chance for england to redress the balance of 92 i know that was in the longer form of the game uh, but playing against some of your old Yorkshire teammates, people like Harris Ralph, uh, and you chose that moment to come up with your biggest score in the tournament. Shock of shocking in the World Cup. To be fair, I didn't get too many opportunities. The, the top order were phenomenal. Um, Joss and Halesy, two of the best batters and T Twenty batters in the world, well ever for England. So uh, they were definitely the two standout players for us. Um, but no, playing Pakistan again, um, I kind of knew we were going to beat them I, I just thought as, as long as we beat India um, we'll win um, we played Pakistan nine times in the last two months and we'd, we'd had the better of them in everything um, and I just thought this is definitely ours to lose so um, uh, to win sorry and we obviously won it what, was a unbelievable feeling going to say take us back so what, what, what's it like at that moment Ugh, uh, when I was batting I was so I was just trying to knock it around because obviously we'd, we'd had a bit of a uh, poor start. We were three down, I can't remember the, the totals exactly, but 
it was always going to happen that Stokesy was going to be there at the end. Uh, um, and yeah, we were just trying to build a partnership, really trying to trying to get through the middle overs. Uh, we didn't. If we'd have lost another wicket there, then we would have probably been um, struggling. So we were just trying to knock it round. It was a tough wicket though. The, the team was bowled really well, um, and yeah, we were just trying to take it as deep as possible. And then obviously Shaheen Afridi got injured, which was which could have been a turning point. I, a lot of people are saying that we we might have lost that game if if he wasn't injured. But I still think we would have with the players we still had to come in. I still think we would have won that game. Um, but no, the the feeling when Stokes hit them winning runs, uh, I haven't had a better feeling yet. That says plenty. Um, and you know, whatever you do, wherever you go, and whatever those scores were in that tournament, and you say you had a shocker, um, been a bit harsh on yourself because, like you say, you were coming in pretty late on at times um, with not a lot of opportunity. They can never ever take away the fact that you are a world champion and will always be, and that's um, that's a brilliant feather to have in your cap. Um, let's talk batting. Key elements of your game. Uh, what would you say? They are. Uh, there's a lot of strengths there. Maybe you want to highlight what you yeah, favorite shot. Why? Um, I think there's a few fundamentals you need for for red ball cricket, especially county cricket. I think you need to be able to put the bad ball away. I think you need to have a good defence. Um, I think you've always <laughs> got to be able to put pressure on the bowler. Um, and two or three of them are actually from Gary having conversations with him after a few drinks and, and stuff. I've still got the notes down. We actually wrote a few notes down in my phone. Uh, I think I have anyway. Um, but yeah, we, we used to speak a lot about that. If you if you can't put the bad ball away, then uh, the ball is just going to build so much pressure upon you. Um, and then obviously you've got to have a good defence because most of the balls that the bowler are on top of off and uh, you've got to be able to survive. Um, so, you know, are there elements to your game where you you always feel confident you're going to score runs is it something about the way you're moving you know, the feet are moving at the crease here batters talk about this I don't know I think balance for me is the the most important thing I think as long as my head's coming forward towards the ball and I'm not falling over it to the offside um, everything should be moving smoothly and I should be hitting straight um, I do a lot of drills like trying to I do a lot of on drive a lot of on drives uh, warm ups before I'm, I'm have a hit in the nets or before a game. Uh, I, I think if you if you nail in your on drives, then your balance is pretty perfect. So um, that's a definitely a key key element to my batting. Um, and then, like you say, like you said, just trying to put pressure on the bowler really. Um, whether that be walking down the pitch to them, going back in deeper in your crease, just trying to put them off the length, um, especially in county cricket because. They might not be the quickest, but they they never miss they never miss the area. I can remember facing Ollie Hannan Dolby this year at Headingley. Um, never faced him before, and he literally hardly missed top of off. Um, so I had to try and change a few things, walking down, batting further out of my crease, batting deeper in the crease, um, just to try and put him, put him off his length. Um, but I think that's one of the key things England are trying to do now is just try and put the bowler off the length and and uh, make them have to bowl in a different area. Do you think this is something that is then going to now filtered back down into red ball game in county cricket? Do you think you're going to see more teams trying at least to play that way, or are the skills all there to be able to do that? Oh, I think so. I think if people have got uh, the desire to play test cricket, I think you probably you know have to be positive. Obviously, if you're scoring loads of runs, um, it might not matter, but it's it's entertaining, isn't it? Everybody wants to watch. People go out there and score runs quickly and and force results. Um, like Stokesy and, and Baz have said plenty of times now, they don't want to draw. They'd rather lose than draw. Um, and I, I'd say I'm a type of player who'd rather do that as well. Because I recall walking out with you and a few of the Yorkshire lads between Taunton County Ground and the hotel last summer, and I can't remember how many you needed now to win the match, but it was a lot of runs. The sort of runs that you would very rarely see a county championship side win a match in chasing, and you kind of quipped to me that with that Otis Gibson, Yorkshire head coach, had said we're going to go out and play basketball tomorrow. As it turned out, the entire day was washed out, so we never got to see that. Was that was that genuine? Was that we're going to try that? I would have, <laughs> but obviously you've got to buy into whatever the team want to do. If if the team want to bat for the draw and I want to chase, then. 
one against ten is gonna be it's gonna be tough, isn't it? But I, I'd always want to chase. And you, if you're in a winning position and you end up drawing, it's it's you, you feel like you're walking off having lost. Um, so I I'd always want to try and get ahead of the game and and force results. That's not just from playing with Stokesy and and Baz's the leadership. It's more just the positive way I think, and I prefer watching cricket like that. I mentioned earlier that you'd said that test cricket was the thing you always wanted to play and red ball was your game first and foremost. Now that you're a white ball world champion and you've gone for a massive fee, £1.3 million to the IPL Sunrisers Hyderabad, come back to that in a minute, but with those sort of things in mind and the way that you play in the white ball game, has that changed at all? Or is it, if you were to you know, cut Harry Brook and see him bleed, would it be red or white blood. <laughs> uh, no, I still think Test cricket's the pinnacle. I think with the Ashes around the corner as well. There's, to be able to say that I played in one Ashes is uh, will be really nice. Um, but no, I, I, obviously, like I said, I don't know what to say about the World Cup. It was it's the best feeling I've had in in cricket. And if if I win the Ashes, if if I'm selected in that, then. That could be that could top it. So um, I I still think Test cricket's the pinnacle. I want to play in all three formats for as long as I can. Um, but no, I enjoy I enjoy all of them. And well, I mean, with regard to the Ashes, you know, the Aussies um, have had the edge in recent years. I think it's fair to say. Um, obviously, a major ambition for anybody who ever picks up a bat to play uh, in an Ashes series. You've got edge bat, nothing to start with. Lords second Test as usual, and then. Headingly third test. So, have you got your eye that far down the line and representing the country in front of your your home support? Obviously, it'd be really nice. But like I said earlier, I'm just completely focused on my next game. Um, IPL Sunrisers Hyderabad just mentioned it and that massive fee. I mean, Sam Curran goes for a record fee, but I think you are only preceded by him and and Ben Stokes now in terms of um, your your auction um, successful auction bids for. English players, how much of an honour is that? Uh, yeah, it was uh, it was pretty special. I actually couldn't watch the the auction. I couldn't get it up. I was speaking to my my agent. I was like, "Do you have the link for the the uh, the auction?" I couldn't find it anywhere. He couldn't find it anywhere. Uh, none of his team could find it anywhere. Um, and then Fish, Matty Fisher, he FaceTimed me and he had it on his TV somehow. Um, and yeah, well, I couldn't actually see the numbers, but. It, I had it on FaceTime with him, Josh Poise and Tomo. Um, we had this little group group FaceTime and yeah, we were just watching it up, go up. Uh, I was actually out for breakfast because it was my sister's birthday that day. So um, obviously when it all, all it had finished, I was like, I'll have to, I'll have to pay for the bill today. <laughs> so I checked them to breakfast and uh, yeah, grandma had shed a few tears and uh, yeah, it was, a, it was a very good day. Absolutely brilliant. So, uh, looking forward to all of that. But even even at that, you see these big name signings, and they they don't always play in every match. It's it's a strange sometimes way that they have of of manipulating the sides through that competition. But uh, I can't remember who's gone where. Um, this is my short term memory. Brookie uh, not been the best. But what sort of chances would you say on paper at least that you've got? They have won it before haven't they, in twenty sixteen. Um, chance of lifting it in twenty three. Hopefully, um, that's further down the line, and uh, I've got an eye on it. But um, I just want to—I just want to play as many games as I can and uh, try and contribute as much as possible. Uh, hopefully, the conditions favour me. Um, hopefully, they're similar to Pakistan and having success there, and I can try and take take what I've done in Pakistan and take it out there. And have they kind of since that auction? I mean, I don't know how these things work. Obviously, have they been in touch with you? at all or much or whatever do they keep tabs on what you got what's going uh, on a little bit we've had to do a few media videos and to put on social media really but um other than that not really it's, it's a couple of months away yet so um i'm sure it'll, they'll all start stamping down on and doing things and speaking to them now and, and sorting things out so uh yeah i'm sure i'll be on the phone a bit um best batter you've played with i've played alongside uh, I think I've learnt the most from Gary Balance, uh, but you probably can't take away what Rooty's done. He's one, he's one of the best batters to 
I've never played the game, and um, yeah, he's a phenomenal player. But I've probably learnt the most from Gaz. And you mentioned uh, Ruti. We talked about that 41 against Lancashire heading last year where he said he was striking it so well. I can remember sort of saying on commentary there that if you'd walked on the ground not knowing who either player was and you said which guys played under and, you know, Captain England and all the rest of it, and you'd have been hard-pressed to separate the two of you, which must be great, if you like, from your point of view, to be you know, recognised in the same breath as. Uh yeah, I actually remember speaking to him, and he was like, "How do you hit the ball so hard?" I I just I don't know, but he, he the next day he was trying to smack it in the net. <laughs> but he's such a good player; he's got ten thousand plus runs. Like he, he's an unbelievable player, and and long may it continue. Um, bowlers, um, who's given you the most trouble consistently in your career so far? Uh, statistically, it'd probably be Rashid Khan. I think he's got me out a fair few times. Um, uh, other than that, like obviously I've had a few dodgy patches where bowlers have had the better of me in a game, but I can't remember people have got me out too many times. Rashid Khan definitely. And because you are so positive as a player per se, but and particularly against spin and that sort of feeling of mystery spin, uh, how do you go about working these bowlers out? Do you just watch it from the hand? And is that yeah. all you can do? Is there a certain tells that you can, if you watch a bowler enough, you know what, you've got an idea of what might be coming next because of what he's doing uh, in his I setup? I think sometimes, but if you watch the ball hard enough, I think when you're in the middle of the game, you, you tend to look at the scoreboard, try and figure out what you got to do first before actually, and then you, you forget about watching the ball hard, um, which is obviously one of the main traits to batting. Um, but I, I, I'd say I'm fairly good at picking, picking, picking spinners um, it's just about execution and uh, choosing the right shot really uh, I've probably said probably going to get out to a Uli next time I face him now but um, no I uh, it's just about the decision making obviously whilst you whilst the ball's coming down to you he's, he bowls quite quick so you've got to make that in a in a clicky fingers really who's your best mate in cricket <laughs> best mate in only answer good I don't think I have a best. I've got so many. I've made so many friends from from this sport. It's uh, it's it's been it's been so good so far playing this game, and I've made so many good friends. I can't I can't choose one. Difficult times at Yorkshire in the last couple of years, and nobody wants to go down. And particularly when you'd have that brilliant start individually to the season that you had, uh, where the team could only manage to win the first game and couldn't quite get across the line in a few others. How how? frustrating was it for you I know you had your own agenda you wanted to play test cricket and you were doing it at the end of the season but how how frustrating was it for you let's say just for a few weeks before your test debut when the team are, are losing games or not winning games when they need to you could have an influence on that and you're not around yeah like you say obviously test cricket was an ambition and and that took precedent at the time um, I was actually watching uh, the Warwickshire Hampshire game at the end of the season <laughs> I was devastated when when Warwickshire got over the line, but um, I don't think it's going to be the end of the world that we're going into Div Division Two. We've got a lot of young players coming through, um, and if they can if they can score big runs in Division Two, it's going to make them make the confidence go sky high. So um, hopefully we can get promoted this year with all the younger lads scoring plenty of runs and and going to Division Two on a high. Uh, Division One, sorry. Division one, yeah. Thinking about the future, you've obviously your immediate priorities that South Africa series, as you've alluded to a few times. But you know, what are your, if you could pick out a few aims for further down the line, ambitions in your career? What's the sort of you know top two or three that you'd love to look back on at some point in another decade or more, hopefully, and go, yeah, I did that, and yeah, I did that. Uh, win the Ashes this summer and win the World Cup at the end of the year. If selected. Uh, definitely two in the in the shorter term. Uh, Individual ambitions in terms of run scoring. Uh, I don't like to tell people that. <laughs> I write down my goals, but I don't like to tell them until I've done it. So um, I have my own goals and and how many runs I want to score. But, but the main thing for me is how I, how I'm doing it, um, how I'm scoring my runs, uh, and how I'm going about it. I have a, an ethos, and I want to stick to that for as long as I can. When are you at your happiest? 
I'd say I'm always pretty happy. I'd like to say I'm, most of the time I've got a smile on my face, apart from this trip when I was in Pakistan, I didn't really have a smile on my face when I scored 100, a few lads have said. Um, but no, uh, obviously when you're scoring runs, uh, it's pretty good. But this little period I've had now when I've, when I've been at home has been has been really nice to see everybody. It's all right. That? That's fine like that. It's um, been really nice to see everybody and uh, spend time with my family having not seen them for so long. and. Yeah, and um, yeah, just enjoying time with them. Well, I'm sure you'll be enjoying a bit more time with them um, and hopefully many more good times in the colours of England, whichever format that is, uh, in the IPL, whichever franchises you play. And of course, for the white rose that you've got on your chest at this moment in time, it's been uh, great to share some time with you, Harry Brook, uh, after that stellar rise in the last couple of seasons. It's been absolutely brilliant to watch. Uh, from the side and that many people um, I'm sure you know are delighted to to watch that that early success and wish you continued success in the future thanks for your time thank you very much Doji it's been Sporting Lives then with Harry Brook um, and myself Jonathan Doidge uh, don't forget you can of course follow us on Twitter on at Sporting Lives 1 there's a Facebook page as well and uh, if you're watching on YouTube, please do click subscribe. It'll cost you nothing. You'll just get a notification each time a new podcast goes on. We've got a couple more of those in the can as well uh, with cricketers. Um, and you can also get involved by emailing uh, with suggestions for future guests to jonathandoidge at hotmail.com. But from this episode, uh, from Harry Brook and from myself, Jonathan, thanks for joining us. Bye for now. Yes, thanks for joining us on Sporting Lives. Once again, you can follow us on at Sporting Lives 1. That's on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram, and also on LinkedIn at Sporting Lives 1. And thanks also to Get On Betting for their association with this podcast. You can follow them on at Get On Betting for all the latest and best sports tips. Now, do stick with us on Sporting Lives. More exciting episodes to come in the pipeline with Darren Goff, nonetheless, Managing Director of Yorkshire Cricket and, of course, former England star in his playing days, uh, as well as for Yorkshire and for Essex. And another recent convert to the England ranks as well, Matthew Fisher, who will also be coming up fairly soon on Sporting Lives. And you can make sure you don't miss out on any of that whatsoever by clicking on whichever audio forum it is you're listening on here to the subscribe button. It will cost you nothing. You'll just get a trigger message notifying you each time a new podcast is released. And that would also help me as the producer of this to ensure that we can continue to produce uh, some cracking content with, I'm sure you'll agree, some really interesting sports personalities. Once again, thanks for your support and bye for now.